The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. I'm Brian Sullivan, and you're listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. Our show airs live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern. Listen in. It's 5 a.m. at CNBC, and here is your top five at five. Stocks trying to rebound after their longest losing streak since February. Futures, they are higher. Beijing's big tech breakup agenda in full force as it now goes after one of the world's biggest companies. In D.C., the debate over the Democrats' $3.5 trillion spending bill. More on the new taxes they plan to pay for it. New reports on a timeline of a COVID vaccine for kids as young as five. And Elon Musk going all in on the doge and tweeting about it just hours ago. It is Monday, September 13th. This is Worldwide Exchange. Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, and welcome from wherever in the world that you may be watching. And we mean that. Welcome. I'm Brian Sullivan. Thanks for joining us. Hope everybody had a good weekend. And it is looking like markets may have a good Monday because stock futures, they are higher across the board after a down week. In fact, the Dow and the S&P 500 are now in a five-session losing streak. And believe it or not, that is the longest for the S&P since February of this year. Well, that is stateside. Let's check global markets. You had a mixed session in Asia. The Hang Seng in Hong Kong shedding more than 1.5%, primarily on China's latest regulatory crackdown. We will get more on that in a moment. The European markets, though, they are mostly higher across the board. We are seeing a lot more green than red on the screen. Well, as always, we're going to get more on the markets and your Monday money in a moment. But as always, let's kick off the show with some of the key headlines you need to know to get your day started for those, Silvana Hanau is here. Silvana, good to see you. Happy Monday. Good morning, Brian. It's so good to see you. Uh, Beijing reportedly plans to break up Alipay with plans to create a separate app for the fintech giant's loan business. According to the Financial Times, Alipay will turn over all data used in loan processing to a new credit scoring joint venture that will partly be owned by the state. Alipay has more than 1 billion users and is owned by Jack Ma's ant group, Hong Kong listed shares of Alibaba and Group's e-commerce affiliate fell more than 4% in overnight trading. And sticking with China, the country's Minister of Industry and Information Technology says China has, quote, too many electric vehicles, makes the government will encourage consolidation in the space. Beijing's push for greener vehicles to cut pollution has prompted electric car makers like NIO to expand manufacturing capacity in China. Those comments hurting some Chinese e-listed V-makers. And back home, Senator Joe Manchin says he will not vote for the $3.5 trillion budget bill. Manchin telling CNN's State of the Union there is also no way Democrats will meet the self-imposed September 27th deadline. This coming as House Democrats are expected to propose raising the corporate tax rate to 26.5 percent from 21 percent, as well as a new 3 percent surtax on individual income above $5 million. 
That's just one proposal on how Dems plan to pay for that $3.5 trillion spending bill. Brian? Yeah, taxes may be certainly the watchword of the week here. Silvana, we're going to see you back in a few minutes for Trending. Good to have you on the show. Thanks, Brian. In a few minutes. Take care. All right. Well, this weekend saw the return of pro football. There were certainly some surprises. I mean, Green Bay looked terrible. Cleveland came close to upsetting Kansas City to open up the season. But even if you don't like football, your first guest today says there are some interesting stocks that are tied to the sport that she likes. So let's kick off your WEX week with some new ideas. And welcome back, Kate Faddis. She is the founder and CEO of Grace Capital. Kate, it's always great to have you back on. You bring it with some stock picks. Let's talk about DraftKings. I've got to imagine thinking about yesterday, millions of people on their phones, on their tablets, betting on football, and of course in the States where it is done legally. And you think DraftKings may be a good bet. Why? Well, I'll tell you, Brian, thank you for having me again. First of all, I think the stock is up 25% in about three months. (laughs) Hard to believe, but it's a $25 billion company. Uh, Daily fantasy sports, DFS, online sports uh, gambling. They share the market with two other players, uh, MGM Sportsbook and uh, FanDuel. DFS is a game of skill. OSG is a game of chance. In both cases, they get a fee no matter what. They make a lot of money, big growth numbers. Uh, Monthly average users have grown from 685,000 a year ago to 1.1 million. Revenues, Brian, grew 400% year on year. Not cheap, trading at almost 20 times sales. I think it's a buy. I think it's one you got to have in your portfolio. I got one, one other football idea if you have time. Let me go back to DraftKings, though, one minute, though, Kate, because I think the story around DraftKings is the market sort of expects gambling, sports gambling, to be legalized in nearly every state, if not every state. It's still actually not legalized in the majority of states. It certainly is here in New Jersey. It's in Michigan, Virginia, and a few others. Uh, Is there a risk, a regulatory risk around DraftKings where, you know, certain state governments may say, you know what, we're not going to do it, but the market is kind of priced in the expectation that it'll soon be legal everywhere. Absolutely, Brian, you're, you're dead on. There, it's actually a significant risk. In fact, the attorney general of uh, the state of Texas has sued them, uh, their license to practice uh, sports gambling, and they have several lawsuits going on. I actually think this is a positive because what they are doing is they're clearing the field. They are the first mover. They only have two players. And I think there are definitely legal challenges. You're absolutely correct. If they can work through them, there are big gains to be had. So having said All this. Right. And you, you referenced, you, you referenced that, that uh, mystery second idea. And I'll tell you what, uh, we have a term in television that I will not roll our viewer. It's called VMVPD. It's an internet, it's an industry acronym regarding virtual, you know, basically it's a virtual television platform and you can't go anywhere without seeing an ad for Fubo TV, which is a VM, VPD. I can't even believe I'm saying that at 510 in the morning. But whatever it is, it is also a stock that you like. Yes, uh, Brian, Fubo is one I like. If you think about eyeballs and just entertainment, it is crowded. 
you've got cable, you've got Hulu, you've got um, uh, YouTube TV. There are lots of players in the field, Netflix, Amazon Prime. What Fubo does is they've carved out a niche for themselves. People who only watch sports. So you've got your internet and now uh, you don't want classical cable. You may have never used cable or you want a skinny bundle. You pay them $65 a month and you can have regional sports, local sports, national and international sports. And if you care about sports, this is the way to go. What I like about Fubo is this valuable sports viewer is very valuable for ad revenue. So their ad revenue, uh, our poos are three to five times what, what they are for um, um, Roku television. This is really quite extraordinary. They could be making an extra wow. $2,200 per person just from ad revenue. And guess what? They're also getting into sports betting. They're planning to enter into this field. So revenues could really go up significantly from this. Fubo, I think, is one you have to keep an eye on. You know, and, and by the way, CNBC is available on some of their packages on Fubo. It's not just about sports, but yeah, you get your NBC Bay Area, NBC Northeast, whatever it may be. And like you said, Kate, also maybe a sports gambling play. I sense a trend. DraftKings, Fubo, Kate, always a winner. Thank you very much for coming on to kick off our show for the week. Have a great day and a good week. Thank you, Brian. All right, you're very welcome. Kate Faddis of Grace Capital. Keep an eye on those two stocks. All right, when we come back, we're going to get a closer look at some of your big money movers of the morning, including what has shares of Virgin Galactic down 3%. Plus, Amazon, speaking of, looking to score big in football itself. We'll give you more on a story that broke right here on CNBC. Later on, Funstrats, Tom Lee is here with some of the positive signals he has been seeing you are unlikely to hear anywhere else. We got a lot more to do. Dow futures up 150. And we are back right after this. What does it mean to be rich? Is it having more stories to share or time to give? Is it being able to keep your loved ones close or travel somewhere far away? At Edward Jones, we believe the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Your dedicated financial advisor will take a comprehensive approach to your financial strategy to help support what truly matters to you. EdwardJones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. Just in and so good. Thousands of summer deals at your Nordstrom Rack Store. Save up to 60% on new arrivals from Vince, Rag & Bone, Adidas, Joe's, Marc Jacobs, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. But hurry for first dibs. Get your summer favorites up to 60% off at Nordstrom Rack today. Great brands, great prices. That's why you rack. Time now for your big money movers, the three key stock stories of the day. Number one, Virgin Galactic, their first commercial research mission with the Italian Air Force, has been delayed. Richard Branson's company says the decision was made after a third-party supplier raised a red flag about a possible manufacturing defect 
in a flight control system component that it provided that stock down 3%. Consumer credit reporting company TransUnion said to be nearing a deal to buy info services company Newstar. Reports put the price tag at around $3.1 billion. Any deal there could help TransUnion diversify its business and use all of your data a little bit differently. And Fortnite video game maker Epic Games is officially appealing a ruling that Apple's App Store is not a monopoly. In a ruling on Friday, a judge ordered Apple to change a part of its App Store setup, but rejected allegations that the company was running a monopoly. All right, those are your three key stock stories of the day. Still on deck right here, Musk's new Doge adoption, the best colleges in America ranked, and flying the dry, friendly skies. Those are part of your top trending stories. We're going to have them when we roll on right after this. Today's big number, $8.35 trillion. That's the current level of the Fed's balance sheet, the highest on record. That represents about 40% of the U.S.'s GDP. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. All right, welcome or welcome back. It is 516 on this Monday morning. Let's get a check now on this morning's other top headlines, including the developing story overnight of North Korea testing a new cruise missile. NBC's Francis Rivera is in New York with that and more. Good morning, Francis. Hi, Brian. Good morning to you. Yes, North Korea claims it has successfully tested a new long-range cruise missile. The regime's state media said the missiles flew over 900 miles before hitting their targets. It was the country's first test since March, and analysts say it's their first such weapon with a nuclear capability. South Korea did not disclose whether it detected the latest test, but confirmed it's conducting a detailed analysis in cooperation with the United States. New York City's indoor vaccine mandate begins today. We're talking about movie theaters, restaurants, gyms, and concert venues. Just a few of the places that will require every guest provide proof of vaccination. Non-compliant businesses could face a $1,000 fine. Novak Djokovic was one win away from an elusive calendar Grand Slam, but running into Daniel Medvedev proved to be more than he could handle. Medvedev weathered through storms like all three sets, eventually closing out World number one for the U.S. Open men's singles crown. It's Medvedev's first career Grand Slam win. And on Saturday, Emma Raducanu became the youngest major champion in 17 years. The 18-year-old beat Leila Fernandez for the women's title, her first Grand Slam victory. MTV celebrated 40 years of the Video Music Awards last night. Olivia Rodrigo won Best New Artist and Song of the Year with her single Good For You. Plus, Justin Bieber and rapper Kid Leroy performed on the Barclays Center stage in New York and accepted a major win for Bieber uh, as Artist of the Year. Nothing like 40 years of the VMAs, Brian, and make you feel nice and ancient and old, right? 
Yeah, 40. And <laughs> by the way, also the winners at the, the U.S. Open, especially the, the women's final, was amazing. It looks like there, there is a turn in tennis. I mean, mm-hmm. let, let's be clear. The future belongs to the young, and certainly it did at the tennis court this weekend. Sure did. We didn't know those names at the start of it. Now we know them all and know their faces as well. So, yep, definitely a new turn, new era. Yeah, and, and a nice big direct deposit in both of their bank accounts, I suspect, after this weekend as well. Francis Rivera, thank you. Have a great day. Sure thing. You too. All right. So let's keep going and get to some of today's top trending stories, which include Elon's new puppy, the top colleges right now, and boozeless airlines, or at least one airline. Silvana Hanau is back with more on those. Silvana, what is trending hey, on this Brian. Monday? Good morning. Elon Musk has a new puppy, and you guessed it. It's a Shiba Inu. Musk posting a photo of the dog named Floki on Twitter yesterday. Musk had teased the arrival of the puppy back in June. Shares of Dogecoin spiked on the tweet, but are back down now, about 23 cents. Uh, meanwhile, U.S. News is releasing its annual ranking of the top colleges in the U.S. for 2022. Topping the list this year is Princeton University, followed by a three-way tie between Columbia, MIT, and Harvard. Yale University rounds out the top five. The rankings are based on factors like student outcomes, faculty resources, and financial resources. And Southwest Airlines announcing it will not be bringing back alcohol to flights until at least 2022. The timeline extension is tied to the federal mask mandate timeline. The airline will be adding some new soft drink options in October, including soda and tonic water that had been originally been ordered as mixers to go with the reintroduction of alcohol. And a quick check on the top stocks trending on CNBC.com right now. AMC, the 10-year Treasury note, Apple, Alibaba, and Neo. Brian? Now, Savannah. I don't know if you've flown at all. I fly all the time. And, and the one thing about drinks, not just alcoholic drinks, but drinks or whatever on planes, whatever you think of it, is you know the trick people do. Because you don't What's have to have your trick? mask on mm-hmm. when you're eating or drinking. So people will get a drink and they will drink it for like 55 minutes so that they, they're, they're constantly, quote, eating or drinking so they can keep their mask off almost the entire flight. And you look around and you go, I'm not sure this is what they had in mind. You know, I got to say, Brian, I, I do like to have a little bit of wine when I'm on a flight to ease my nerves a little. So that's I, I hope these airlines bring back alcohol sooner than later. I don't you know. just got to do it through like a crazy <laughs> straw, like under the mask, Silvana. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. I'm kidding. <laughs> Silvana, now we'll see in a few minutes. <laughs> Thanks, Brian. A little wine, a lot of wine. It's, it's all fine. It's no judgment. All right, Silvana, thank you. All right, coming up, some big stories out of Washington this morning with Potentially huge implications for corporate America and maybe your money as well. We'll get a live report from D.C. coming up next. You see the sun not yet up. And if you haven't already, by the way, or you missed a show any day, you can always check it out on our podcast, all the major podcasting platforms. The Dow futures are up 168 right now. It'll be a solid start to your week. We're back right after this. Well, good morning, and it may be a good morning for the markets and your money. Futures, they are higher as the S&P looks to snap a five-session losing streak. Senator Joe Manchin looks to pump the brakes on the Democrats' race to wrap up the budget bill as the party maps out how it plans to play for $10 in new spending. 
And with New York kids finally going back to the classroom today, some for the first time in more than a year, what can they expect? We'll speak with one of the CEOs of a major hospital operator in Florida about what they are seeing now. School has been in session for a month. It is Monday, September 13th. This is Worldwide Exchange right here on CNBC. Well, welcome or welcome back, everybody, and good Monday morning. I am Brian Sullivan. It is 525. Hope you're having a good start to your week. Grab a cup of coffee. We have got a lot to do. And here's how your money and markets look right now as we are not quite halfway through the 5 a.m. hour. Stock futures, well, they look a whole lot better than they did last week. We are seeing futures up across the board. Dow, S&P, NASDAQ, they're all in the green. Dow futures up 164. Down the S&P now in a five-session losing streak. And believe it or not, that is the longest for the S&P since February of this year. On a single stock basis, watch Alibaba, B-A-B-A today. Beijing's crackdown on capitalism continues. The government in China reportedly plans to break up Alibaba's Alipay unit, with plans to create a separate app for the fintech giant's loan business. According to the Financial Times, Alipay will turn over all data used in loan processing to a new credit scoring joint venture that will be partly owned, you guessed it, by the government. Hong Kong listed shares of Alibaba down 4% in overnight trading. U.S. listed shares down not as much, about 2% right now, but that news will move throughout the day, certainly. Well, now to Washington, where the race by Democrats to get President Biden's $3.5 trillion spending plan is in full force, but not all in the party are on the same page. West Virginia Senator Joe Manchin stepping up and stepping out yesterday, saying there is no way to get a deal done in just two weeks. Meantime, House Dems are set to roll out their proposals to help pay for this spending, including raising personal taxes on the rich, raising the corporate tax rate, and maybe slapping a brand new tax on stock buybacks. Let's talk more now about it all. Alon Moy joining us now on a Monday. Alon, a lot to get through. Uh, where do the Democrats stand right now? Well, Ryan, House Democrats are planning to propose a host of tax hikes that they say will fully offset the cost of that $3.5 trillion spending and tax plan. Now, according to a document that we obtained, the biggest single item is an increase in the corporate tax rate to 26.5%. Now, that is lower than the 28% that President Biden had initially proposed, but it is still estimated to raise $540 billion. Now, the top individual rate would go to 39.6%, as expected, but the rate of capital gains would only jump to 25 percent. However, House Democrats would introduce a new surtax of three percentage points on people making more than $5 million. That would raise about $127 billion. Other provisions include a minimum rate of 16.5 percent on companies' foreign income, a cap on so-called mega IRAs, and even an increase in the tax on tobacco and nicotine. Now, according to the document, the tax hikes would raise roughly $2.2 trillion. Democrats also expect to get another $700 billion through drug pricing reform. The final $600 billion would be generated through economic growth. 
Now, it is not clear, however, how final this list of proposals is. Democrats are trying to finish writing this bill by Wednesday. And as you mentioned, there are actually at least two key senators, Joe Manchin and Mark Warner, who say they are not yet comfortable with what has been proposed so far. So, Brian, we are definitely expecting this debate over the bill to continue right up to the wire in both chambers. Back over to you. All right, Ilan, when we say debating the bill, let's dive a little bit into it, because I don't think you're going to sleep much for like the next, I don't know, couple months. Uh, Not that you do anyway. Thanks for getting up for the show, by the way. Um, I have read, I have heard that this bill could be more than 10,000 pages long, an actual number. Does anybody have any idea what maybe, I mean, I mean, we're going to get headlines from it, but I mean, this could be the biggest bill in the history of American government, could it not? It could be extremely large, and it's coming together extremely quickly. What we do know is that the summary of the portion that just the House Ways and Means Committee, one committee, will debate on Tuesday is like 645 pages. The summary alone is 41 pages. And that's not even all of these tax provisions that I just talked about. So there are so many moving pieces to this, uh, and Democrats are really under the gun because they say they're going to finish writing it all by Wednesday. But, you know, that timeline, some folks in the Senate in particular are saying that could easily slip because there are major differences between the list of proposals that the House just put out and the list that we saw previously from the Senate Finance Committee. The White House has been sort of supportive of both efforts, uh, but there's still a lot of details to nail down and a lot of new proposals floating around. It sounds like a veritable all-you-can-eat buffet for lobbyists in Washington on K Street. I expect to see a lot of new cars rolling around D.C. in a couple of months, Alon. You know, but they talk about this proposed tax on on stock buybacks, and we're going to have to pay for stuff right now. And both parties, by the way, both parties are guilty over history of using sort of accounting gimmicks and a lot of assumptions. We're going to have a lot of that in this as well, I guess. Like, this tax may raise this, uh, but the GAO is also, General Accounting Office, is going to have its work cut out for it as well, I would imagine. Right. So the stock buyback, interestingly, is not in the House version of the tax increases that it wants to propose. It was in the Senate Finance Committee's version. So that's one of the things they're going to have to work out between the two chambers. Um, How much exactly this is going to raise? You know, the tax on tobacco, $100 billion. Is that really going to come out to the amount that they expect? All that matters is that they are able to reach uh, the number that was set in the budget reconciliation instructions. They just have to make sure that they fall within the parameters that they themselves set in order to move the bill forward. Uh, Politically, uh, there could be a lot of debate about how much this is going to actually add to the deficit, how much growth is this going to generate. But from a procedural standpoint, all they have to do is just meet the parameters that they set out in order for the bill to be able to move forward. You, you got to love it when the, what is it, the summary basically of the summary is 41 <laughs> pages long. I mean, I, I don't even know if they could print. I'm trying to imagine what 10,000 pages might look like. Yeah. I mean, how many, is it like an Encyclopedia Britannica yeah. set? And I just dated myself by saying that. <laughs> now that we're all work from home, Brian, I didn't print it out because, you know, paper, paper matters in this house. And I have to pay for all my ink now, so. <laughs> <laughs> Because you would have to, I, by the way, true story, I just submitted an expense for, like, printer toner. I mean, you're, can you imagine the toner you have to go through? You have to submit the concur expense. $47,000 in toner. Alon, <laughs> come on. Alon Moy, thank you very much. Going to spend the next six months reading. Alon, appreciate it. All right. 
All right, now to a more serious topic of the continued fight against the coronavirus. This is millions of kids in New York and other parts of the Northeast become the last in America to go back to school. Some, by the way, have not seen the inside of a classroom in 18 months. But let's focus on Florida right now, because they did see a spike in pediatric COVID cases when they went back to school about a month ago. All this, as sources tell CNBC, that the U.S. could authorize Pfizer's vaccine for kids between the ages of 5 and 11 years old as soon as next month. Joining us now with what he is seeing on the ground from Florida is Carlos Magoya. He is the CEO of Jackson Health System, the largest health network in Miami-Dade County, with more than 2,100 licensed beds. Carlos, it's a pleasure to have you on. Thank you very much for joining us. As our viewers know on my social, I tend to track case trends very deeply. I look at outcomes more than case trends, but you're there. You and your good people are doing all of God's work and the hard work, and we appreciate it. What are you seeing in your hospitals right now? Well, frankly, uh, right now we're on the, on the backside of the surge. Uh, this is actually the second biggest surge we had good. last July. It was uh, a much, much larger. We had about 490 patients at that point in time. We've maxed out at 450. Right now we're running around 260 patients, or 40% down from what we saw a couple of weeks back. So the numbers are actually starting to come down some, so we're pretty happy about that. that. That is fantastic news to hear and kind of mirrors what we saw in Israel and UK where the, the I don't want to call it the Delta variant because it's the only variant now basically in America. It's 100 percent of cases where right. it tends to burn hot, but but thank you, burn hot, but burn very, burn very quickly. Has anything changed from a month ago? Why do you think we are seeing, thankfully, by the way, a drop in cases? Well, I think in the case of Miami-Dade County, we had a much higher vaccination rate than we did anywhere else in the state. We have over 82% of the people over over uh, uh, 12 years of age that are vaccinated. Uh, and we, still, it's a very large county. That means 400,000 people were still not vaccinated. So when you start looking at those kind of numbers, uh, we had a huge amount of people, especially with the Delta variant, and the high infection rate of the Delta variant, that really made it a, a really, really tough. But uh, I think we're right now, we're starting to exhaust that number. If you start looking at the 82% plus probably whatever percentage additionally were uh, uh, infected through the virus, we're probably in the 85 to 90 percentile, which is getting close to that uh, proverbial herd immunity that, that we all talk about. Of course, it's a theory, but we think we're starting to get there. You really do believe that. Uh, this is fantastic news. If so, there's probably still some pain to come in the meantime, Carlos. But it's good to hear you say that. Let's talk about the kids as well, because we got a lot of kids in New York City going back to school. Many have not been in a physical schoolroom for maybe 18 months as well. Some went back, some did not. Um, we famously, the media likes to, you know, they, they, Florida tends to be in focus, let's how we say. And we saw a big jump in pediatric cases. Thankfully, the outcomes for almost all those kids uh, was positive. What are you seeing with the kids as you guys are the number one ranked pediatric specialty hospital in the United States? So we really have been uh, seeing a higher number between us and the other uh, children's hospital here in town. We've been seeing of all the children that we've been testing around 15 to 17 percent have had uh, the COVID positive. Uh, the good, the only good news is that if you look at the number of kids hospitalized, the number has, although increased from what they used to be, has not been that high a number at this point in time. Now that we've had uh, school open up for about two to three weeks, we're hoping that we've seen uh, the, the highest rates, but we really don't know what that at this point when it comes to children. Uh, we will know that more in the next one to two weeks, and we're hoping we're past that. Uh, when I keep saying that the surge is down, 
the concern that we all have is what other variants are out there in the world. And there are some other variants. The move variant is out there. And we don't know what that may look like. We may see some surges in the future. We don't think they're going to be as strong as these last two surges that we had last July and this July. But we think we're going to, we'll probably potentially see a couple of more surges before this whole pandemic is over. Yeah, and, and vaccinations and hopefully also acquired a natural immunity or a combo of the two, by the way, are doing their thing. They're doing what we were told that they would do. We're doing what history has said they have done throughout the other many pandemics over the last few hundred years, Carlos. Um, if you were, when we talk about, listen, it's talk, tough to talk about any children getting sick. We all have kids. We love kids. We don't want anybody to get ill. When we talk about these cases, because the case numbers get all the attention in my industry. How many of these are asymptomatic, where you're testing to put your kid in school, the test comes back positive, and you're thinking, well, I, was, I had no symptoms. What are you seeing with regards to that? Well, unfortunately, we have not seen that many asymptomatic, only because the people we're testing are people that have some kind of symptoms, and that's the reason why that 15 to 17%. We have not just been doing testing. Because they've come in to you. Yes, exactly. So we, what we've been seeing are predominantly kids that already have some symptoms. And from that number, 15 to 17 percent have COVID. You know, you referenced that 82 percent vaccination rate, Carlos. And, and I've talked to people, friends of mine and people, you know, that, that are not vaccinated. And the majority of the ones that aren't that I ask them, why not? They say, well, they got really sick from COVID. They're either afraid to get the vaccine because they don't want to get sick again or they feel like natural immunity is enough. We can all debate and yell about whatever because it's a hot political topic as well. How do you get to, do you ever get to 100%? Because when you, you have 18% unvaccinated and you think, what's the primary reason for that? There are 1.5 million unvaccinated adults in New York City alone right now as we restart our school year up here. Same thing with Miami-Dade County. We're at 400,000 people. That's still a huge amount of people. And to your point, it's a very good point. We've seen over and over again that people who had COVID have a higher chance of getting COVID than people with breakthroughs from vaccination. And that's just, that we have seen that in our cases over and over again. From a percentage basis, we see a lot more patients coming in getting COVID again from having it previously than those that had vaccination. Well, hopefully you are. Uh, I, I like a little bit of your optimistic tone, Carlos, about maybe finally coming over that hurdle there. Your case counts are coming down. Outcomes are getting better. Fingers crossed. Exactly. Uh, but we really appreciate getting up early. It's an important story, Carlos. Thank you very much. Have a great day. And again, thank you to all the first responders that work in your hospitals for what they do. God bless them. Carlos, thank you. All right. On deck. Maybe you're a Dolphins fan. Could you finally be able to watch every game of your favorite football team out of market without a satellite dish? The CNBC exclusive on why Amazon may be coming to the rescue, but at a price. Details on that. Plus, your morning RBI and just how much you would be willing to pay to watch your team every single Sunday. But before we do that, as we head to break, some of your other top stories to kick off the week. Shares of Soho China plunging nearly 30 this morning. Wow. That after the collapse of a takeover deal by Blackstone Group, the Chinese property developer revealing that the private equity firm abandoned a $3 billion bid over, quote, lack of sufficient progress being made among government regulators. Salesforce is giving employees based in Texas the option to relocate from Texas 
over the recently approved anti-abortion law there. In a Slack message obtained by CNBC, while the company did not take a stance on the law itself, it said that it stands by its female employees and their access to reproductive health care. And Marvel's Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, it just continues to flex at the box office, holding on to the top spot for a second week in a row, the movie pulling in another $36 million, the best second weekend gross of any film during the pandemic, beating out, by the way, the other Marvel film, Black Widow. Gow Futures up 150, and we're back right after this. Welcome back. Your morning RBI has to do with another sport. That is football and money, by the way. They go together, right? Football and money. But let's talk about a big money issue just as the season kicks off. And if you're like me and the fan of a team that is not in your local market, you don't have a lot of options when it comes to watching games, except to pay for DirecTV's Sunday ticket, which they have had for more than 25 years, and charge about $300 per season for. Now, the DirecTV deal comes up after next season. And over the weekend, CNBC's Alex Sherman broke a story that Amazon may be the lead bidder for the new deal, meaning you would not need to put a satellite dish on your roof to watch it. Alex says that NFL may ask for up to $2.5 billion per year, maybe about $1 billion more per year than DirecTV paid in its latest contract seven years ago. But could Amazon actually make money on that kind of a deal? Well, it depends on you and what you would be willing to pay to watch your favorite team each season. So we asked a Twitter poll for options. What would you pay for basically their version of that deal? Under 150, 150 to 300, 301 to 500 bucks, or over $500 a season? Well, you spoke loudly, and dare I say, you spoke cheaply. 60% of you said you'd only pay less than 150 bucks. Another 26% were under 300, and just a tiny percentage of you would pay more than 300 for a football game that is not in your market. Now, that is not good news for Amazon because at, say, $150 a year, Amazon would need about 16.5 million customers to break even. DirecTV currently has about 2 million to break even. And at that price, they'd have to charge 1,200 bucks a year. Now, I do love my San Diego slash LA Chargers, but maybe not quite that much. Random, but hopefully interesting. For more now on that potential deal, let's go to the man who broke the story. That is the aforementioned Alex Sherman. Alex, I tried to put, by the way, great job on the story. Congrats. You're always breaking news. It's terrific. Uh, I tried to put the numbers in context because I'm sure Amazon would have some other ways to pay for it aside from subscriber fees, but these are big numbers. Yeah, first of all, don't ask me how much I would pay to watch 49ers games, which I'm a huge fan of out of market because uh, it, it, DirecTV would then like charge me personally. And I, and, and I don't want to be uh, assembled with that, you know, the rest of the polling, which I do think is very representative of the United States. As you mentioned, only two million people subscribe to this thing and roughly have subscribed, I'm told, for many years to Sunday Ticket. So the NFL just renewed the bulk of their rights earlier this year. And they got nearly a 100% increase on those rights. So I'm talking about your Sunday afternoon game on Fox or CBS or your Monday night football game with ESPN. Those rights are done. They're locked up for 11 years. So this is the one big piece of pie that's left out there 
in the world of NFL rights, Sunday ticket. Amazon already won the rights to Thursday Night Football, and they're already paying a billion dollars a year for that. And what I'm told is that talks are ongoing now for Sunday ticket. At first, it sounded like they were going to do Sunday ticket kind of with all the other rights. But then negotiations for that didn't quite work. The NFL didn't quite get what they were looking for. Maybe they won't get the two to two and a half billion that they want now. That's still to be determined. In fact, as a part of that deal, NFL commissioner went on CNBC last week and suggested that he wants the buyer of Sunday Ticket not only to buy the Sunday Ticket rights, but also to be a strategic investor in the NFL Network and Red Zone, which are two cable stations owned by the NFL. So that actually may be baked into this deal, which may inflate the number a little bit. But again, in context, that the NFL got nearly a 100% increase for the other rights they're getting a, a billion and a half dollars for this now. Yeah. That would be three billion. So two to two and a half billion is already pulling back on, on, on that number a little bit. But I guess, you know, and Amazon is all about, you know, data and consumer access. And then they kind of figure it out later. And while you wouldn't need a satellite dish on your roof, and by the way, you don't need a satellite dish if you're out of market. You can still do it online, but only in certain markets. You would need, I'm guessing, Alex the Amazon Prime TV app on your whatever you're going to be watching. And that's how they may get to you, correct? Correct. So this gets to the second part of your question, which was like, why would Amazon do this? Why would Amazon pay all of this money when they need so many more subscribers than what DirecTV has currently today? Part of the reason is that Amazon actually may be content with losing some money because the way we're doing this calculation, it's purely for Sunday ticket. What we're not taking into account is all the ancillary money that Amazon or anyone else would make from having this. DirecTV was willing to lose money on this for many years because they saw Sunday Ticket as a loss leader to get people into the door to pay for satellite TV month after month after month. In other words, I get Sunday Ticket for four months, I pay for DirecTV for eight months. So when you do that, the calculation becomes muddier. Amazon has a similar thing where they have an ancillary business in Prime. A Prime membership costs you, you know, 12, 13 bucks a month, Maybe if you're not a prime member coming into the door for the first time with this, or even even if you are a prime member today, this is just one more thing to kind of keep you in the Amazon ecosystem, which is Amazon's business sort of all about this, right? You want to go there. You want to be the everything store. This is one more kind of interesting thing now that they have to throw into the everything store. And oh yeah, while you're there, you know what? Why don't you buy a New York Yankees hat if you're watching Yankees games, which are currently available on Prime, or if they get Sunday ticket, why don't you buy the you know jersey or hat of your favorite football team? So you throw this in, and the calculation at least becomes muddier at that point. Yep. Or, or a George Kittle jersey, perhaps. And the 49ers looked pretty solid yesterday. I, you know, I My asked Chargers to wear a George win. Kittle jersey to this yep. game, and, and, and I was rejected. Hopefully, we'll be able to be able to actually watch them. Alex Sherman, thank you very much. Breaking the news. Appreciate you getting up early, Alex. Take care. All right, on deck. Do you need a little optimism among all the bleak headlines that are out there? Well, FunStrat's Tom Lee is here with some of the positive signals he is seeing right now. Stick around. All right, welcome back and good Monday morning. It's about 5.52 on the East Coast. Hope you're having a good start to your day because the markets look like they certainly are. We are seeing Dow futures higher. They're up 180 points. NASDAQ up as well. We are seeing more green on the screen. Remember, the Dow and the S&P are coming off of five-session losing streaks. Actually, the longest losing streak in about six months. We didn't lose a lot in a percentage basis, 
but we were down nonetheless. In the bond market, we're not seeing a huge move. Bond yields, they tend to remain low. The big move, though, is in the crypto market as well. And once again, we are seeing sort of a pattern of weakness in crypto. We saw crypto red hot a few months ago. Then for a couple of months, it couldn't get out of its own way. You saw Ethereum go from about 4000 to below 2000 It popped back recently. Well, this morning, they are down again. In fact, look at that. Bitcoin is down 1400 bucks to 44500 Ethereum is down as well. The cryptos in the last couple of weeks certainly have been weak. This despite news like that should be positive for the government of El Salvador, making it legal tender. Crypto, you're going to crypto. All right, let's bring in a man whose almost nightly notes are a must read on Wall Street, and that is Fundstrats, Tom Lee, joining us now. Tom, it's a real pleasure, and I mean that, your notes and um, and Ken, I know he's on paternity leave as well. And some of the Jacks, I think, was putting together some of the data last night. Um, you know, you're trying to find some optimism in what are bleak headlines as well. What is sort of your macro take on the market setup? You've really been diving into the COVID story as well. Is that going to be the mover for the equity markets in the next still couple of weeks or months? Uh, yeah, good morning, Brian. Um, yeah, I think... Yeah, central to how investors make decisions today, it's still a, a lot about the macro. And I think the thing that dominates macro today is COVID because it affects central banks, policymakers, and investor confidence. So it's central. And um, I mean, I'd say there's good news on that front because I think there are some catalysts coming together for this week. And what are the big... What are the big catalysts outside of, of some of the still continuing COVID data? Uh, well, you know, on the COVID side, you know, I, you know, last night when we did the update, it looks like 38 states out of 50 now have promising trends in COVID. And that's up from only 12 two weeks ago. So I think more states are really seeing the peak in Delta variant. And in addition to that, this week, we've got the SALT conference starting this week. It's really the first comprehensive in-person financial conference since COVID started. So I think it's going to be, you know, a confidence booster for investors to actually sort of see each other again in, in person. And on top of that, we've got a consumer confidence survey coming out Friday, which I just think, you know, it was a shock in August because it was such a negative reading. And, you know, it's kind of a win-win now because if it's slightly worse, it puts the Fed on hold. But if it improves, people will view this as a bottom in confidence, and that's a bullish signal for stocks. And there's a strange seasonal underway, which is this uh, sell Rosh Hashanah by Yom Kippur, and, and, and that's actually on Thursday. Yeah. And I think because data so daily, it's, it's actually a bigger role this year. Yeah, and by the way, that, that has tended to play out. And listen, to be fair, if Dr. Gottlieb and others are correct, we're probably going to see a pop in cases here in the Northeast as schools come back in and seasonality trends. You've talked about, the, and I have talked about the so-called air conditioning states, inside bad, outside good. So there might be some bumps in the road. But overall, it sounds like you are functionally positive. You also have been sort of banging the drum on energy. Are you still bullish on oil and oil stocks in particular, Tom? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, energy has had a, just a tough couple of months, energy stocks, even though oil's actually hung in there. And, you know, I think from a demand perspective, oil still has a decent demand picture and a, and a shortage of supply. So I think oil has upside. But that means there's a big catch-up trade in energy stocks relative to oil. And I think energy is viewed as sort of the 
highest beta version of Epicenter. And, you know, as people worried about Delta and the economic effects, yeah. they've kind of sold these off. So I think there's a lot of reason to be optimistic about energy. We like to end on an optimistic note. Tom Lee of Fundstrat, always a must-read. Tom, thank you. Have a great day. Folks, that does it for us here. I'm doing 10 the hard way. I'll see you at 5 p.m. tonight on Fast Money at the NASDAQ. Squawk Box is next. See you in 11 hours. You've been listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. You can always catch us live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern only on CNBC. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.